0: You are locked on Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M, and today. Well, we're kind of at that point where there's not much to talk about until the SEC tournament in baseball begins, so why don't we go ahead and start breaking down my projections for the depth chart offensively for Texas A&M. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next purchase. That promo code is LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. As always, make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout-out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12 man related content found here on LLP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So before we go any further, I want to give a huge shout out to Sam Houston State. The Bearcats are the first team in the history of the FCS to win the national championship in the spring. I I mean, for anyone who didn't watch that game, shame on you. It was a fabulous game coached by Casey Keeler one of these underrated coaches who has done a fabulous job at the FCS level, he becomes the first coach in FCS history to win two national titles at two different programs. So that's a huge rank. Uh, give it up for Eric Schmidt, the quarterback from the Woodlands, Texas, my hometown. Ended up going deep into the postseason, went deep, deep, deep into the fourth quarter, took hit after hit, was spitting up blood, uh, took hit, uh, you know almost shattered his leg. Really took a lot of beatings throughout the entire day and put the team on his back to score on a 16-yard touchdown pass, 10-yard touchdown pass, my bad, with 16 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. Big time game for them. They won 23-21 over South Dakota State, who was favored to win this game after basically dominating every single team in the 16-man playoff race towards the finish line. I gotta give it up for this. The FCS may not be for everybody, and a lot of people are definitely so sold on the FBS being the only football, but if you really break it down, the FCS is fun. There's a lot to like about it, and more than any of that, there's a lot when you see on paper, and not even on paper, really just when you see on overall statistics. They actually have a lot of talent, and more than that, they bring in a lot of praise, So so I brought this question up a couple weeks ago, would you like it the FCS state in the spring season? I would personally, because if I think overall, football year round is not a problem. And we've seen it with the AAF, we've seen it with XFL. The reason why people aren't so entertained is because of these are failed athletes. And I don't want to ever say fail because they made it to the NFL and if they didn't make it to the NFL, they're still getting paid to play the game. But they're not top-level athletes who have the opportunity to make it to the next level. I know a lot of people are going to say, well, what about the you know the NFL and what about the FCS? Nobody really makes it. Well, every year you see a few. You do. I mean, the number three pick this past year in Trey Lance came from the FCS level. You had Spencer Brown, who a lot of people are high on to be a franchise right tackle at least, is going to be taken in the third round. You had... Uh, David Johnson from Northern Iowa a few years ago get taken in the third round, and he was an all-pro his first two years. Carson Wentz, number two overall pick, came from the FCS level. Even a guy like Easton Stick, who helped North Dakota State win two national titles, got his opportunity at the NFL level. There's still his talent there, but you want to see that talent improve and develop. So I personally believe if you go have the FCS season in the spring, it's more enticing, the fan base is better, and it allows you to have a multitude of teams. The problem with that is every player who's in the FCS is risking the opportunity of missing the NFL season and not getting drafted because they're so worried about their situation at the college level that if they opt out, it could hurt the team. Like think about this for a second. The main quarter, the quarterback Mark uh, Gradkowski, not Gradkowski, um, Gron, not Gronkowski. I forgot how you say his name. But the quarterback for South Dakota State was injured on the very first drive. They also were missing a key piece in Kay Johnson, one of the superstar wide receivers. Why? Because he opted out. Same thing with North Dakota State. They kind of had to restart over because of Dylan Radunce and Trey Lance went to the NFL. I'm not saying that that always is the case, but. If you have a player opt out before the start of the season, it's always going to be a little trickier. So, I get why it's going to stay in the fall, but man, if you watch spring football and having football year-round, it's already the number one subject we talk about. College football, the NFL, we already have tried to bring in spring leagues. They don't seem to work that often. What does work, though, is college football in the spring. So if the FCS is to have a spring league and you allow these players to either be taken in the supplemental draft or you allow these players to have a secondary draft or even, you know, not be fine for opting out, honestly, I'm okay with that. I really am. Speaking of opt-outs, there's not going to be much opt-outs for Texas A&M after last season because of the players that did opt-out, most went to the NFL and the other ones that didn't. Well, they somehow returned before the start of the season. So why don't we go ahead and start breaking down our offensive depth chart for 2021 for Texas AM football going into the summer months. We're going to start with the quarterback and then we'll go to commercial break. I can't pick one. I really can't. Because of everything that I saw in the spring game and everything that I saw from both these players, there's so much potential for Haynes King and Zach Calzada. I'll just say this right now. Number two or three on the depth chart is going to be Eli Stowers. He's not going to be in the conversation this year. It's just not going to happen. But when you look going into the spring game, it's very similar to what we saw with Bryce Young and Mac Jones going into the 2020 season. Everyone thought, oh, Mac Jones, secondary player, he'll be a grad transfer, he'll leave, he'll just go be here for another ring. That's about it. No, Bryce Young didn't show enough They started the season off with Mac Jones, and every single step of the way, Mac Jones got better. Kane's King was the favorite to get the job starting out this year, and I still think that he has a slight edge because of his overall ability as a quarterback. But, everything you've seen from Zach Calzada in spring is showing he's deserving of being in that conversation. King has amazing footwork, and he's got good vision down the field. Calzada, in my opinion, has a cleaner arm. He's better at connecting with the receivers. And more than any of that, he delivers the ball on point. There's a lot of throws you can see from King that are just can't-miss-wow throws. But they're a little overshot. They're a little underthrown. There's a little bit of an edge right there to Calzada, who perfectly places the ball on point. And for Daryl Dickey's offense... When looking at what's gonna be run, Calzada actually fits the mold a little bit better than King. But King has the upside. Everything about King has the upside. I look at I look at Haynes King and I can see a top five pick in the NFL draft in two years. That's all the intangibles I see from him. But Calzada is Mac Jones. And what happened? You went with the more prototypical quarterback, and you just won a national title. Now, again, it helps when you have two top 15 wide receivers, both taken in the top 10. It helps with that. And it helps that you have a good run game with Najee Harris and Brian Robinson. But same time, you have that. At least in the run game. With Anaya Smith being your Kadarius Toney type player, with Isaiah Spiller being your Najee Harris type player, and with, I would say, Devon A. Chain being your change of pace runner, but used in a Brian Robinson type role. You don't need to really worry about the quarterback position as much because if you know that the run game is going to be stable enough for Texas A&M to be successful. So I look at that and I go, okay, that's a good spot. But is Calzada going to elevate the offense to another level? And that's where the conversation is. The summer is going to be so important for the quarterback position because of every other role I think you can have time. But you want to be able to say, One person at least has an advantage. And don't get me wrong, Calzada and King are going to play the first three weeks of the season. Absolutely. They're going to take snaps. I don't know if it will be equal snaps, but they both will take snaps in game one against Abilene Christian. They'll take snaps against Colorado. They'll take snaps in game three, and they should take snaps against Arkansas in week four. But by week four, after that game, you should have a set starter and a set QB two. The biggest reason why a team like LSU did not work last year was not because of all the things they lost. It was because of they had no idea what to do at quarterback. And going into this season, they still kind of don't. I mean, is D- is uh, uh, Nussmeier going to be the starter? Is uh, Johnson and Max Johnson going to be the starter? TJ Finley's gone. Is Miles Brennan going to be the guy? I mean, all these questions are still there. At least at Alabama, you know, okay, it's Bryce Young. At Georgia, you know, it's JT Daniels. At Auburn, you know, it's Bo Nix. Ole Miss, Matt Coral. Uh, Mississippi State, Will Rogers. I forget the kid's name from Arkansas, but you know he's going to be the guy. Guy's a freaking linebacker playing quarterback. The quarterback position is so important that you need to have it at least stabilized before you go up against Alabama in Week 6. So the summer months are going to be really important for Haynes King and Zach Calzada. I can't pick a starter right now. I just can't. If you know anything about bets, you know that before the season, the preseason odds will always help you out to win money. So if you want to bet right now that Texas A&M is going to win the SEC championship, go ahead and do so, but make sure you do it at the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag gives you the best bets, the best buyouts, and the best pays every single time you place a bet, visiting them on social media at BetOnline.ag. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get into the action. When you visit BetOnline.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson, back in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Let's get Moving along, running back is the next position. I think that when you look at what Daryl Dickey and Jimbo Fisher are going to do, it's not going to be just a 40, 40. Oh yeah, first down running back, second down running back, third down running back. They're going to use these players in a multitude of different positions. But this is the easiest one on the list for me. Isaiah Spiller is going to be the lead back. Everything you saw from Spiller last season, he improved from the year before. And what's interesting is that he did it behind the same offensive line, and he did it with the help of less games. I mean, he averaged more per game, and he finished with six 100-yard rushing games in a nine-games regular season, 10-game total season because of the bowl game, and he looked better as a runner. He averaged more yards. He found his way into the end zone consistently. I think on top of all that, he really is a great balance of power, Speed and agility. But same time, you can't barrel drive him into the ground and have him rush for you know 370 snaps a season. You have to be able to vitalize him and use him at the right times. So on the flip side, go ahead and you have that change of pace runner with Devon h I view them as both RB1A, RB1B based on the situation and based off the field work. So a third and two, I'm not gonna trust H8 on a pitch. I'm gonna trust Instead, running between the tackles with a guy like Spiller. On a 1st and 10 or a 1st and 12 or a 1st and 15 or something like that, I'll go A-chain. Because that's home run speed who literally just decided to tear up the SEC in track and field with the 100 and 200 meter dash. And he has that sprinter speed that works in the open field. But what's really interesting is that he has the agility that's needed to cut back and not really lose that speed. You know what we always say is that when you're cutting back or when you're trying to make people miss in the open field, you have to slow down. A-Chain really doesn't. And that's what made him really special during his time at Fort Ben Marshall. And why a lot of people thought he could just be an athlete. You could play him at quarterback if you want to. You could play him at running back if you want to. You could play him at wide receiver because of what he will do is he will win with that vertical speed, but then he'll be really good in the open field. And then I think yeah, look at that third down back. There's gonna be a lot of push. For, I think, DeAndre Jackson, the uh, second-year player out of Stone Mountain, Georgia. But you also have the four-star from Cypher High School in LJ Johnson. Of the two, Johnson's going to be viewed as probably the lead back in 2022. That would be my prediction. If Spiller leaves in the draft, we probably then go with Johnson as your lead back. Devon H.A. as your change pace runner. Jackson as your third down runner. But I think it may take some time. Again, I think it's really just based off of how much he improves during camp, where the holes are, and as long as he can do that, I would say Johnson has a little bit more upside than Jackson, but Jackson still is a very good player. At least I think he'll be effective on third down. Your outside receiver. This is tough, but I'm going to still stick with Demond Demas. The reality is, is that Demas is a higher-end player than a guy like Hezekiah Jones or a guy like uh, Moose Muhammad III. You want somebody who has that vertical speed, somebody who can be effective on third and short, somebody who can be effective on third and long, but he really is a fabulous route runner. That's the biggest thing. I think that even though people are talking about how he was held out of the spring game, if it's reported true that he has a concussion, then I'm going to go with it. On talent alone, he beats Hezekiah Jones. Now, this doesn't mean Hezekiah will not be effective. He can do a little bit in the slot. He can do a little bit as your bigger receiver, but I do think of the two Demas is going to have to be the breakout star, and he's going to have to show it early on. I do think he will. In the slot, I'm going to go ahead and stick with um, Anaya Smith. Again, Smith was the leading receiver last season as a running back, but he averaged the most yards per catch. He did everything he could to separate himself against defenders. He found holes in open space, and he can be that change of pace player. You can use him on counters. You can use him on jet sweeps. You can use him on wide receiver screens. You can use him on bubble routes. He can do a little bit of everything. That's why he's so effective. I think behind him, you're either going to have Moose Muhammad, who you know comes from the lineage of Moose and Muhammad, you know the second, his father, who played in the NFL for over a decade for Carolina and for Chicago. He knows how to route run. I think he'll be effective, but he's also a little bit bigger, so you can play him on the outside if you really need to. Finally, the X receiver, as of now, I'm going to go with Chase Lane, but keep in mind that I'm still not including uh, Caleb Chapman. And Caleb Chapman can be that vertical presence where Lane right now is one of those players who has good hands, but he doesn't offer much after the catch. But at the same time, neither does Devin Price, who's going into his second year, and we don't really know what he's going to be. So I think until we know Chapman's status going into the regular season, you got to go with Lane. He was the receiver who had the most receptions last year. He was the target that made the most of his catches. And he really was the number one guy because of, again, Smith was just an athlete. Receiver-wise, you go with Lane. So I would say going into the season, you probably will have Demas be your vertical threat until Chapman's healthy. Then you will have him probably be your possessional receiver. You have Lane be your possessional receiver right now. And then you have your it all weapon in Anaya Smith to go with the backfield, which could be run in a two man set. And this could be very dangerous if you have all three on the field Anaya Smith, um, Isaiah Spiller, and Devon A. Chain. That could be dangerous for any team who has to prepare. This episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by Bill Bar. Now you know the Bill Bar code of the past, 12 unique flavors, but every single flavor is covered in 100% real chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew, so they actually are more like candy bars than they are protein bars. Plus, they're great for anybody who's on the keto diet because they're low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and low in calories. I mean, literally, back in January, I was a little bit overweight and I started off doing two-a-days at workouts, but I started every day off with a peanut butter protein bar, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. There's not a product like this out on the shelves. So when you visit builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your very next purchase. That's LOCK15 at builtbar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from builtbar.com. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. In 25 minutes or less, you can get caught up on all the news coming out of every single major sport, especially with the NBA playoffs right around the corner. You're going to want to stay in contact with that, so make sure you listen to Locked On Today. Peter Bukowski and the Locked On Today crew bring you all the information surrounding every major American sport in 25 minutes or less. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. All right. Finishing this off, offensive line for Texas A&M going into next season. Left tackle, easiest position to get. Uh, that's going to be Kenyon Green. Why? Uh, because it is. Guy is an All-American at left guard. He had a successful rookie season coming out of of High School. And now going into this final year, he has to be the guy because if he is the one returning offensive lineman. He can play all positions, but of course, Jimbo Fisher is going to play him at the position where he works best. And that would be left tackle right tackle. This is going to be a tough one. I'm right now going to go with Jameer Johnson. And the reason I'm going to go with Jameer Johnson is because of the veteranship. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that he's going to keep the job. He could just be a swing tackle and back up, you know, Kenyon Green. He could back up somebody else. You also don't know if Trazon, the uh, early enrollee out of Colorado, will be able to come back because, again, he tore his ACL before the start, I mean, prior to the end of his senior season of high school. So nobody really knows what he's going to be. And Chris Morris isn't even on the team anymore. He's expected to transfer out. So where do you go with the offensive line? Johnson, at least, has played in the SEC. He understands SEC pass rushers. And for a young quarterback... You want somebody with that experience. Now, again, this does not mean anything. Blake Trainer could actually win the job by week three or week four. And if Trezon's healthy, I think that you can go with him. Maybe you can go with Ruben Fathery. But as of right now, right tackle I think has to be a position where you know somebody that you can trust. Johnson, to me, makes the most sense as of right now. Now, let's go to the center position. I'm going to go, at least for now, it's Luke Matthews. He has the most experience working with the team. He's played the most. He's going into his fourth year. He comes from the Matthews family. And he's worked with both Calzada and with King in practice. Now again, he didn't play last year. He was out because of... um, I forget why. But he also didn't play in the scrimmage. But he has that IQ. That IQ is important. Knowing what to look for on the defensive line and knowing where to go... With your pass protection sets, with your run blocking sets, telling a guard to pull, telling somebody to line up in the right situation. All those things are super important to a young offensive line. So to have a veteran, a guy who will be going into his fourth year with a team, I think he's a redshirt junior, having Matthews on that line is important. It's why Colton Prater moved from guard to center because if he was the most essential person to the offensive line. It's why McCollum moved from guard to center. Because he was the most influ- influential person on the offensive line. You have that as somebody who's smart. You have that with a guy like Luke Matthews. Let's go to right guard. I'm going to go for now. Leighton Robinson. I think ultimately, if Bryce Foster lives up to the commitment of what he is, you could see him take over. But Layden Robinson, he's a f- uh, he's going into his third year He's had the most experience. He actually took a couple snaps last season with the second team. I think that when you look at what the need is right now, you need somebody with more experience. He's played more than Derek Hunter. That, to me, just makes a lot of sense. And going to left guard, I think, and Canola Ungagabi, the redshirt freshman, who didn't play last year, would make a lot of sense here. Because of you didn't use a year of eligibility on him because if you want to make sure he was here for the long term. He has the most upside of all the players, I think, going into the year. I think when you look at what, you know, Jimbo wants to run, he needs to go with a guy who has a lot of run experience. He had that in high school. And you look at his size and his frame, it's a little bit bigger than Josh Bankhead, and that's going to be the battle going into the year. I have to go with Uganabani because of, again, he's somebody who, at least we know, is a redshirt. He'll have an extra year of eligibility. And he's probably there to learn, if not to take over a tackle, be a long-term option inside what Kenyon Green was probably going to be until eventually he had to move outside to tackle. Oh, yeah, tight end. Uh, Yeah, this is an easy one. Jalen Weidemeyer. I think Baylor Cup is going to expand his role this year, and I think Baylor Cup will be influential with the team, but I don't think anymore we can sit here and go, okay, yeah, Baylor Cup, the former five-star, you know everything about this tight end. He's so good. Well, he has two season-ending injuries, and he's yet to play Maybe in a year from now, he will be the guy. But I do think going into the season, Weidemeyer, who did miss all spring, I won't deny that, he missed all of spring, he is the guy who everyone is saying can be the Kyle Pitts 2.0. Now, that does not mean he's going to be a superstar, like athletic, everything you want as a touchdown machine. No. What I will say, though, is that he can be an effective tight end who finds his way into the first round conversation. Maybe Baylor Cup is it in a year from now. Maybe you can run a lot of 12-man personnel between him and Max Wright. But I'm going to say for now, it's Jalen Wiedemeyer bust. The guy's been doing it for the last two years. He's been nothing but a standout player. You got to continue to go with that and go with what you know. That's good for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies on tomorrow's show. Let's break down the defensive side of the football. Who's going to be starting where defensively and can Texas A&M in that top 10 defense be as elite as everyone believes? I think they can. I know you do too. We'll discuss that much, much more tomorrow. See you then, and remember, take them, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.